Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would be all ears and all heart as we listen to what you have to say to us this day. Lord, uh, we want your wisdom. We want to know you. We want to know more about you. We want to know how to live. So, Lord, speak to us afresh through your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could wish one thing for yourself, what would it be? Would you wish for a house the size of the one Bill Gates built on the shores of Lake Washington, 37,000 square feet with a dining room that can seat 100 people? I was kind of thinking about that. What would it be like to have a house that's 37,000 square feet? I mean, that's a lot of vacuuming, right? I guess you'd have to have a staff of 50 people to take care of it to keep it clean. I don't know. If you could wish for one thing for yourself, what would it be? I mean, would you wish for fame or fortune? Would you uh, want a coveted spot on People magazines, the world's most beautiful people of 2017? Of course, how you answer that question really uh, reveals what you value most. In Old Testament days, young King Solomon was asked that very question by God who appeared to him in a dream. And you know what he asked for? Did he ask for riches? Although he turned out to be pretty rich. Did he ask for gold? Did he ask for silver? All the kingdoms of the world? No, he asked for wisdom of all things, wisdom that he might uh, be a man of good character and rule his kingdom aright. A lot of credit goes to young King Solomon. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is attributed to Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, and he was famous for his wisdom. And so we can imagine him saying these very words from the book of Proverbs to his own son, giving him wise counsel. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for He guards the course of the just and protects the way of His faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." So, what is wisdom? Well, let me tell you what wisdom is not. It's not the same thing as knowledge. 
Some people who are very well educated actually have very little wisdom. And some people who are unschooled are very wise. The novelist philosopher Walker Percy said, you can get all A's and still flunk life. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but still not be wise. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge we have. It's knowing how to apply it in daily life so that it makes a positive difference in our lives and the lives of others. Yes, it has something to do, as Proverbs describes it, with these descriptors, with understanding and insight, discernment, good judgment. Wisdom is a discerning and judicious use of knowledge so that people are blessed and that it will lead to human flourishing. Such wisdom is not abstract, it's not conceptual, but it's very down-to-earth and very practical. It has to do with human conduct above all. The moral choices we make in life, how we react or respond to certain situations, how we relate to other people, it's the practical wisdom that was modeled by Jesus in His life and uh, is evident in His teachings. So how do you know if you are truly wise? Well, it shows up in your relationships, in the good works that you do, in the moral character you display, and in the humility you show. Now listen to James as we read from the third chapter. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. It seems that uh, James was uh, concerned about some teachers in the church who were claiming to be wise, but uh, actually were living a very godless life, and they were always boasting about how good they were. Uh, they were anything but humble. They were not following true wisdom, but the wisdom of this world. And so James draws a very sharp contrast between two very different kinds of wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, James may be addressing false teachers in the church, but really the application is general. He says there's basically two different kinds of wisdom to live by. There are only two guiding principles in life from which to choose. You can follow earthly wisdom, embrace the world's values, and take your cue from how everyone else is living, or make up your own morality as you go along, or you can follow God's wisdom, God's values, and live according to God's design for your life. You can live either for the kingdom of self, so that you yourself are the arbiter of all morality and of all conduct, or you can live for the kingdom of heaven. You can live 
by the wisdom that comes from below or a wisdom that comes from God above. Wisdom from below, says James, is earthy. It's earthbound. In other words, there is, there is no eternal perspective. It's totally concerned solely with the here and now. This is the wisdom that says, think of yourself first. We got to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Do whatever you feel like. Do it now. Do whatever you feel like doing. You are accountable to no one but yourself. This life is all there is. No eternal perspective. It's earthy, earthbound. But not only that, it's unspiritual, says James. That is, there's nothing of the Holy Spirit in it. It's not focused on spiritual things at all. This earthly wisdom does not produce the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul, you know, would indicate in his letter to the Galatians, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, none of that. But it's focused on itself, and it really doesn't care about spiritual things. It's just apathetic about the whole thing. And then James says that this wisdom from below is demonic. I mean, the prince of darkness promises the good life, and he uses his version of worldly wisdom to, as a hook to draw people away from God and away from God's ways. He delights in planting doubts in people's minds and hearts. It's the lie of the Garden of Eden. Did God say you shouldn't do that? Come on. You can't trust God. God doesn't know what He's doing. He's only trying to take the fun away. He's trying to spoil your life. Do whatever you feel like doing. Follow your own wisdom. Don't follow God's. And so, you know, the, the prince of darkness uh, speaks to us. And if we listen to him, then, as it, to use the words of Proverbs, we follow in the ways of wicked men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. I mean, this is a hellish kind of wisdom. And James says that to follow this kind of wisdom leads to all kinds of disorder and mayhem. If you, live, if you don't live by God's design, you set yourself up for grief and heartache and pain. Yeah, disorder, chaos. Led by the twin vices of envy and selfish ambition. In essence, wisdom from below would tell you to put yourself first, and that, earthly, that wisdom is trying to get an advantage over other people so that you can truly be successful in life. Popular women's magazine summarizes this guiding principle in blunt fashion. I don't found these words somewhere. Good housekeeping, which I read regularly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for it to hit my mailbox. <laughs> Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as much as possible. Mirror yourself constantly in the opinions of others. Listen greedily to what other people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forget criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your views on everything. 
Sulk if people are not grateful for the favor shown them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Be on the lookout for a good time for yourself. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible. Love yourself supremely. Wisdom from below. And the trouble is we are bound, if we follow that kind of wisdom where self is at the center of everything and you're trying to secure advantage over everybody else, you reap a harvest of bad fruit. I mean, it's not a pretty picture. It's no wonder that the title of this article where I found these words is, is A Recipe for Misery. And it certainly doesn't lead to the kind of shalom that God wants for His people, about living in peace with others and experiencing the fullness of life together as, as uh, you know, enjoying God's kingdom even on earth. That comes from living God's way. But James says there is another way to live, another kind of wisdom to follow. It revolves not around self, but around God. It's wisdom from above. It comes from outside of ourselves. And when we live by this kind of heavenly wisdom, good fruit, godly fruit is produced. And so James lists some of them. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, in other words, not having to have your way all the time, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, wants to be fair, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So says James, there are two kinds of wisdom, wisdom from God above or wisdom from below. There are two guiding principles of life. We can follow God and God's way, or we can follow the Almighty Self and live our way according to our own wisdom. You and I choose our path in life, and the way we choose day by day, moment by moment, determines the outcome of our lives, the kind of harvest we will reap. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, puts it this way. These are really good words. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Every moment you and I are progressing into one state or the other. 
So therefore, how do you and I get the wisdom so that we choose rightly? Well, we have to want true wisdom, and we have to ask God for it. Again, from the Proverbs. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and his mouth from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. In other words, you and I have to want wisdom. We should seek it. We should make wisdom a supreme value in our life. In fact, we come back to that original question. If you could wish one thing for, for yourself, what would it be? What do you value above everything else? I mean, do you want money? Do you want power? Do you want prestige? What is it that you're after? What am I after? What do we want God to do for us? Do we really want wisdom? I mean, isn't that really key for us? To know how to live truly and rightly. But we have to want it. We have to, we have to seek it. To see it as a value. There's a story of, uh, about Socrates. A, a devoted student of Socrates once asked him what the best way was to acquire wisdom. And Socrates responded to him by taking him down to a river and plunging him beneath the surface of the waters. And Socrates kept holding his head down. <laughs> and, and the young man tried to, to break free, but, but Socrates, you know, he kept holding him down, holding him down. Finally, the young man broke free, came out of the water. And then Socrates asked him, it seems like a dumb question, when you thought you were drowning, what was the one thing you wanted more than anything? And, and the young man who was still gasping said, well, I, I wanted air. And Socrates then said, when you want wisdom as much as you wanted air, then you will get it. Book of Proverbs, cry aloud for it. Call out for it. Seek it. As Proverbs puts it, we're to seek for wisdom as enthusiastically as a bunch of gold diggers looking for buried treasure. So that wisdom comes by mining the riches of God's Word in Holy Scripture. That means becoming a daily student of Jesus' life as found in the Gospels. He is the teacher, and we are his students. He is the master, and we are his apprentices. And so we open the book, and we watch attentively as Jesus relates to people, the people that he encounters along the way. We watch how he relates, how he responds, how he reacts, and then we listen intently to his teachings. Again, Jesus' teaching is not about philosophy, it's not abstract, it's not like in the clouds, but it's always about how we should live, practical. So we look at His example and His, and His teaching, and then we apply what we learn. We think about life, our life, in God's light, and then we take appropriate action. I mean, action is the key, because you know, you can know the Bible backwards and forwards. You can be the, the Bible trivia a champion of the world, but it doesn't do a bit of good 
It won't lead to wisdom unless you apply it. Real wisdom, says James, shows itself in good deeds. If you're not showing good deeds in your life, if you're not showing an appropriate amount of humility, if you're not reflecting Christ's character, you are not following the path of wisdom. You are not wise. We are wise when we follow the way of Jesus. So you and I are to seek wisdom, and most importantly, and most basically, we have to ask for it. Remember what James says in the very first chapter of his letter? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God answers prayer, and God will surely answer a prayer like that, because God wants more than anything else for us to live wisely, according to His plan and His design for our lives. Sometimes we look for wisdom in all the wrong places. We consult this person or that person or whatever, when what we really need to do is ask God for wisdom and then listen to what God says. And God promises to dispense that wisdom to us, and that wisdom is always good And it always leads to a harvest of righteousness, of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and self-control. In fact, James says a little bit later in his letter, letter, you don't have because you don't ask. So let us ask God for wisdom. Let's Let's do that now. Let's pray. Gracious God, we confess that we do not always follow the path of true wisdom, but we follow the ways of the world thinking that that somehow will make us happy and will bring true success and prosperity when in fact it really only comes as we listen to you and as we live by your design for our life as outlined in Scripture. Lord, we want to be wise, wise as serpents as you say. We want to know how to live truly and rightly, how to live a truly human life. And so we ask you for wisdom now and help us to look to you for wisdom day by day, moment by moment in all the innumerable choices we have to make. And Lord, every day make us more like you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our teacher, our master, and our savior. Amen.